he didn't actually preach a sermon to John the Baptist or give a verbal message as such. He went around and said, um, tell John what you see. The blind are healed, the deaf are healed, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, uh, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Have you ever wondered why he actually just didn't give a straightforward message, but he said, uh, tell John what you see me doing. Have you ever wondered when Jesus went out to the disciples, his apostles, and he says, I'm, I, now you've been with me for a number, of, a little while, I'm going to send you out to do the job and do what I do. And he says, this is, I'm giving you power and authority, go and proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. Have you ever wondered why he said that to the 12? Have you ever wondered why he said to the 72, and he sent the 72 out, and he says, I'm sending you out with power and authority to go and to proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. Have you ever wondered why he actually did that? Have you ever wondered why when the disciples said to Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead, and he says, is it now the time that you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for me to tell you when the, king, the father is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He set that date. But in response to your question, I'm telling you this. You shall receive, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you shall receive power and you will be my witnesses, and that power brought a power to proclaim the kingdom and a power to heal the sick. Have you ever wondered why, why, why that happened? And have you ever wondered why Paul says this, I have fully proclaimed the kingdom of God with miracles, signs and wonders, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered why there is such a connection with healing and the message of Jesus? Have you ever wondered why there's such a connection with healing the message and the purpose of Jesus. Have you ever wondered that? Has it ever caused you to think, why? Why? And I'm going to explain to you why that is this morning because I want us to grow in our understanding of the very nature of the mission of Jesus and the purposes of God and how there is an integral connection with healing the purposes of God and the kingdom of God that we may grow in it through understanding the theology of the kingdom of God. Firstly, there is a connection with healing and the gospel of salvation. Look at what the book of Hebrews says. Are you following me so far? Good. This salvation was first announced to us by the Lord. Now what is the gospel of salvation? The gospel of salvation is this. That we are far and separated from God because of the things that we've done wrong. The Bible calls it sin. And the definition of sin is simply to fall short of the glory of God or his perfect standard. And every one of us falls short of the love, the holiness, the goodness, the righteousness, the wonder, the care, the compassion, the kindness, the, the perfection of God every single day. You know, you just roll out of bed and you think, oh, blown it. Every one of us, all of humanity, has fallen short of God's beautiful perfection. And so we're separated from him. And yet Jesus, when he came as the perfect one, as God in the form of a human being, died upon the cross so that he carried our sins, our wrongdoings, our fallenness, our separation in his body on the cross, and he died went to the grave, rose again, so that if we put our trust and faith in him, we will be forgiven 
delivered from that separation, that we don't have to live separated from God. We can have him in our life now. We can know his goodness, his blessing, his kindness, his love, his care, his forgiveness. Not only that, when we die, we can live forever with God and continue to fulfill his purposes for our lives and live out the reason why he created us in loving relationship with God forever and ever and ever. And we are rescued from purposeless. We're rescued from separation. We're we're forgiven for the things that we've done wrong. We're reunited with God the Father through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And that's a magnificent rescue, is it not? And that's why it's called the gospel of salvation. And it says this salvation, which was announced to us, it's a message, first announced us by the Lord, that's Jesus, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That was the disciples. And even now all the way down, the, the history to us who share the message of Jesus, whether it's on a platform like this or over a cup of coffee with your friends or with your children at home, we are confirming what we've known and heard about Jesus. But look what it also says. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit he distributed according to his will. Do you see that there are two testimonies, two confirmations that God has ordained? One is the confirmation of man. It's the message that we share. And God has has ordained that through the telling of the message of salvation, which is called the gospel of salvation, the telling of it, God has ordained that people may hear it, find faith, and through that faith and turning to Jesus may receive salvation, deliverance, rescue. God's ordained that. But he's also ordained something else. That through miracles and signs and wonders, it is confirmed as well. So we have the confirmation of man or the testimony of man through the words of human beings. But we also have the confirmation and the testimony of God through the activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, if there was a choice, what would you prefer? The confirmation of God, the testimony of God, or the testimony of mankind? What would you prefer? Well, thankfully, there is no choice because two are essentially ordained by God. But why on earth would we just want to rely on our own testimony And not have the testimony of God through the power of miracles and healings. Why just function as a church on one cylinder when you can have two? Why hop when you can run? And so this is why this this is one reason why healings and miracles is so integrated with the gospel because God has ordained that this magnificent message would be confirmed not just through wise and persuasive words but through the demonstration of the Spirit's power. It says the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. Wow. Think about that. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied their word. So they went and labored. They went and did some work. It says, and also Jesus worked with them and he confirmed their testimony with his testimony, the power of miracles. Now, I want to share this because we've relegated 
miracles and healings and wonders to some kind of secondary option, some extracurriculum activity, something that we can take it or leave it as we pursue and serve and work out the mission of God's purposes. Let me tell you this clearly this morning. I feel very strongly about this. You probably have guessed. (laughs) If Jesus, the greatest preacher on earth, the greatest truth and storyteller that the humanity has ever seen felt it was appropriate to confirm the words that came out of his mouth with signs and wonders and miracles. How much more should we, the servants of Jesus, the servants of Jesus are not Jesus, but Jesus says his, his servant will be like him in what he says and what he does. So how much more should we follow his example, just like the disciples and the apostles had the wisdom to follow his example? Paul says this, I come to you in weakness and fear with trembling. And my message, he did have a message. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on man's words, but on God's power. Let me tell you something. There are two delivery systems that God puts faith into people so that they may believe the message of Jesus. And it's so vital for it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believed in him would be rescued. And there's two delivery systems. It says God has ordained that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes through the word of God. As we receive and listen to this message and allow it to come into our hearts, faith is born into it. But also faith is given to us as we see and observe these signs and miracles from the power of the Holy Spirit. John says in the Gospel of John in the late chapters, he says this, Oh, if I could write all the things that Jesus did and put them in books, all the libraries in the world would not be able to contain them. He's speaking of his miracles. But these things have been written so that you may... Believe, And it just comes after the passage where Jesus turns up to the upper room where all the disciples are and doubting Thomas is. And doubting Thomas says, because he wasn't there when Jesus first turned up to the disciples after the resurrection. And he says, we've seen the Lord Thomas. Woohoo, it's going to be all right. We've seen Jesus. He's alive from the dead. Yippity dippity doo. And he pulls cold water over their excitement. And he says, I will never believe unless I see the wounds in his sight and put my fingers in and my fingers in his scars. I will never believe. And then eight days later, Jesus turns up just for Thomas. And he turns to Thomas and he says, Thomas, look, put your fingers in my wounds. Put your hand in my side. Stop disbelieving. Believe Thomas. And then immediately after that, John writes this. All the things that Jesus did could not be contained in the libraries of the world. But I've written these things that, we may, that you may believe. The whole thing is in the context of faith. 
And so faith comes to us as we listen to the message. But God has a mechanism, another delivery system, for actually bringing faith into people's heart. They may believe that message. And it is signs and wonders and miracles. And that's one reason, only one reason, only one, there's another reason, why Jesus preached and healed, told his disciples to preach and heal, the power of the Spirit came that we preach and heal. And when I say preaching, I don't mean standing up and ranting at you like I am this morning. I'm actually sharing a cup of, or sharing a cup of coffee with a friend or whatever. So that's the first thing. But there's also another connection. Are you following me? Good. God, only 15 minutes. Yeah, I've got 15 minutes to finish my message. Signs of the kingdom. There's the gospel of salvation. And a part of the gospel of salvation, or actually there's the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of salvation. They're, they're one and the same message, but they, they, they express themselves. Uh, and and uh, I've got to be careful how I say this. Um, There's the gospel of the kingdom, and embedded into the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of salvation. But Jesus came and preached the good news as the kingdom of God, as well as the good news of salvation, and so did the disciples. Now, let me talk about the kingdom of God. What what is the kingdom of God? The gospel of the kingdom of God. Well, it's a little different to just merely the kingdom of salvation, the gospel of salvation. Let me explain this. The gospel of salvation is this. Repent, believe in Jesus Christ, give your life to him, and your sins will be forgiven so you can go to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom is that God is coming not just to populate heaven with souls that have been separated from him, but he is coming to reclaim and bring his rule and his presence and his dominion, and his government, and his reclamation and restoration to every single thing and feature and aspect of all of creation. Not just souls, not just human beings, everything. He is coming to govern everything that he has created. It's called the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now let's have a look at this together. First of all, let us understand that God has given kingdom rule on earth to mankind. Let me repeat it. Let it sink in. This is really important. This is why Jesus came. God has given his kingdom rule on earth to mankind. He has delegated the authority of divine rulership on earth onto the shoulders of human beings. Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make mankind in our image, said the Trinity. Notice it's plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the living creatures that move along the earth. Now, why did God make the earth? He made the earth so he could put a man on it, a woman on it, 
in his image? And why did he create men and women? So that they, in his image, so that they could execute the kingdom of God, the government of God on earth that he has made. And mankind and you and I have been made to exercise rulership of the kingdom of God. To receive his delegated authority and rule. That's why we're made. It's so important that mankind rules because if we do not rule, we would not truly be functioning in our full human capacity. Because we are made in the image of God. And who is God? He is a ruler. So if we're made in God's image, we must rule to be able to exercise our human capacity. Let me tell you another thing. Being made in the image of God, I've said this many times, means that we are relational because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's relational. If you do not exercise relational capacity, if you are not relational, if you're not social, if you're just isolated on your own, you are not exercising your true humanity and we become worse for it we are created to be in relationship with others and we become damaged and broken and hurt and depressed and wounded we suffer emotional physical mental challenges because we are disconnected with people So God made us in his image. And in order for us to be truly human and function as humans, he has to give us an authority to rule. Am I communicating? And he will never take that capacity to rule away from us. Because if he does, you would not be able to be truly human. Just as if he took away free will from you. If he took free will from you, because God is free will, he can choose, and we're made in his image. If he took free will from you, it would be dehumanizing, wouldn't it? To take away free will. It would be dehumanizing for you not to be able to have relationship with others. It would be dehumanizing for you not to be able to rule. So you're not going to take it away. Let's have a wonder, look. Let me read this psalm to you, verse 8. What is man that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hand and you put everything under their feet. So Adam and Eve and humanity were made to actually execute the rule and the kingdom of God on earth. However, we all know in the story of creation, when Satan came along disguised as a serpent and and tempted Adam and Eve to turn their backs on God and reject God's government through their lives and submit themselves to the dominion and the rule of Satan through obeying him when he says, hey, has God said? And he tricked them and Adam sinned and Eve was deceived and it says in that, and teaches us in that moment, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And because sin entered the world, death reigned. Because sin brings death. It brings separation from God, the life. So it's death reigned. And because death was reigning, sickness appeared. So what, it's important you understand this. Sickness appeared. Now what is sickness unchecked and worked out to its full extent? 
What is sickness? Unchecked and worked out in its full extent. Death. Absolutely. Death. Sickness unchecked, worked out in your bodies, in the world to its full extent. What does it bring? It brings death. So sin came. Death reigned. That's why we all die. We've got no control of it. Death reigns. But, but it happens because sickness is in the world, which is, which is ultimately the outworking that brings death. And it also teaches, and very, very important, that creation fell as well. In other words, all of creation became, became bondaged to death and decay, dysfunctionality and corruption. Why? Because Adam and Eve were the head of creation. They were the last things to be created, and as made in God's image, they were, came, it says it, they were made out of the dust of the ground, so part of creation. God breathed his spirit into them. They came a living soul, created in his image. He said, now rule, and you've got responsibility. So when they blew it and sinned and fell, all of creation, because they were the head of it, fell as well. So it's not just human beings now are dysfunctional because of our mess-ups. All of creation doesn't work. That's why we get decay and corruption and tsunamis and earthquakes and plagues and weather patterns that are crazy. Now we get a lot of those because of our own human and poor management and rulership. But also creation itself has fundamentally fallen and flawed, just like human beings are. So, at, so they're following the head. Am I communicating? So it says in Romans chapter 8. Next slide, please. Oh. Mm. Okay, I'm going to have to read it to you because I've got done my slides wrong. Creation waits for the eager expectations for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated. Look at this. Creation wants to be liberated from what? From bondage to decay, that's death, and brought into freedom again, and the glory of the children of God. So what it happens is this. Just as creation fell, when Adam and Eve fell, humanity fell, When humans get restored, forgiven, put right, made perfect again, creation will follow suit once again. And it will be liberated because human beings are liberated. If we get free from sin and decay and death and sickness, creation will follow suit. Why? Because we're the head. We're the head. So, so here it comes down to the gospel of kingdom. This fundamentally is the fundamental reason why Jesus came. Not just to forgive you so you can go to heaven, but the reason he came was to bring the kingdom of God back to earth. God came as a man, Jesus, to restore the kingdom rule on earth back to mankind. Mankind. You see, God will never, there's only two ways that he can actually, okay, I need to just say, okay, 
Let's, let me talk about Satan for a moment. don't like to talk about Satan very much, but I'm going to talk to him about a moment. The Bible teaches that there was an archangel called Lucifer. And he rebelled against God because he wanted to rule on God's throne. And that pride and that arrogance, that jealousy, caused him to become totally evil and wicked and corrupt and an enemy of God. And he was an archangel in heaven, but because of his sin, he and all the angels that followed him got cast out of heaven. Not in heaven, because you can't really, never really going to take over the throne of God. He was powerful, but he thought he was more powerful than God. That's what pride does. It makes you think that you're better than you are. And he came up against Almighty God and realized, oh, <laughs> you know, I didn't think that one through, did I? They're totally corrupt now. He's totally corrupt and evil, and he hates and wants to destroy everything about God because that's why we call him the enemy, the arch enemy of God. But he hasn't ever repented because when you are so evil and so wicked, you are be, go beyond the point of repentance. So he still wants to have the throne of God. He still wants to rule in God's place. So how can he do that now? Ha-ha, he sees his opportunity. Because when God created mankind, innocent, naive, so to speak, in the garden, he thought, here's my opportunity, because God has given the kingdom to men. And if I can get mankind to come under my subjugation, if I can get them to come under my dominion, if I can get them to sin and listen to me and make them my slave, I can rule on earth through mankind. I'll never be able to sit on the throne of heaven. I've been thrown out. But I can rule on earth that God has made through mankind so I can have the kingdom on earth through mankind. And that's exactly what he did. He deceived Eve, caused Adam to sin, and immediately, in obeying Satan, they basically sold themselves into slavery. Now, Satan is ruling and influencing the earth through fallen humanity. And that's why he's called in the scriptures the God of this world. Not the God of heaven, the God of this world. And that's why... When Jesus was being tempted, and this is why Jesus came, Jesus, almighty God, almighty God, came as a man. Why did he come as a man? He came so that he could bring the kingdom of God back to men. I'm going to say men, I mean men and women. Humanity. So Jesus, the man, comes along, fully God and fully man. He's in the garden, he's in the desert now. The enemy goes, oh, oh, I feel a challenge here. I know who you are. You're the son of the living God. Son of the living God means you are God, but you are human being because the son of the living God is representing the humanity of Christ. He's like, oh, oh, I've got a challenge here. There's somebody who has never sinned. There's somebody who could challenge my kingdom. There's somebody who could take it back. So he tries to do the same thing in the desert that he did to Adam and Eve. He said, oh, if you're the son of God... Um, Turn this bread into stone. You must be very hungry. You know, just the first thing Adam and Eve, oh, eat the tree, eat, 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 eat. Appealing to his abs, eat, eat. Appealing to human weakness, the need to eat. Oh, turn the bread into stone. Eat something, come on, eat something. On my prompting. Test God, come on. And Jesus resisted. He tempted him three times and he resisted. But the reason why he was, te- and, and then he really did this. Oh, he really tried. He really tried then. He tried to appeal to Jesus' cause. Oh, he's so clever. 
he, he took him up to a high place and he showed all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, see these kingdoms, all the splendor and the kingdoms and the rulers and the authorities of all time and all the earth, they belong to me. And they do, they did, because he's stolen them through Adam and Eve. And he was ruling over them. These are my kingdoms. I have control here. Yes, he was right. He wasn't lying. He did have rulership over all those kingdoms. And he said to Jesus, if you worship me, and come under my rulership, I'll give them all to you. He's basically offering the same deal as he did to Adam and Eve. I'll, I'll, I'll give them to you, and I'll continue to dominate and rule through you now, Jesus, as a human being. So my kingdom is not threatened. Am I communicating? Yes. So here's the thing. Jesus came, resisted temptation many, many times, even the temptation to go to the cross. And because of his obedience and subjugation to the Father as a human being, as a human being, even to the point of death, he, as a human being, won back the right to rule over all creation as a human being who is also fully God. So all creation can be brought back to God because Jesus came to restore the kingdom rule back to mankind. And this happens when mankind subjects themselves back to the Father again. And Jesus was what the Bible calls the first fruits of this. The first fruits. Now, as we give our lives to Christ... And we become part of Jesus' new identity and new humanity. We are actually given the kingdom of God, liberated from Satan, back to us. So that we can rule and bring in the kingdom of God back to earth. Let me show you what it says in Corinthians. Maybe this will clarify it a bit with you. Since death came through a man, that's Adam and Eve... Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. Note that. A man. Who's that man? He is God, but the Bible is emphasizing the work of a human being here to bring back the kingdom back to human beings. For as in Adam all die, get sick, and ultimately die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Got it? Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So ultimately, Jesus the man, we're not too much the divinity, Jesus the God, he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but Jesus in his humanity on behalf of mankind will do what Adam and Eve should have done, give the kingdom back to God so that God can rule through humanity on earth. And it says he must reign until he puts the death under his feet. Now, Jesus came as a man. He says the kingdom of God is here. After the resurrection, he was made king of kings and lord of lords. He's reigning. And he's reigning until death is totally destroyed. It's not totally destroyed yet, is it? But he is reigning 
What's it mean? So he is putting his enemies. There's a warfare. There's an advancing of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God will fully come when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, we are advancing the kingdom. We are destroying death. Now, it will only ultimately be destroyed when Christ returns. But, but when we heal the sick, we are giving notice to death. When Jesus came, it says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you want to know that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, is coming back through human beings, because I'm the son of man, I'm a human being, fully God, but I'm a human being. I was born of, a, of Mary. I'm flesh and blood. I get tired. I bleed. I'm a human being, although he is God. But if you want to know that the kingdom of God is coming back through human beings, I want you to observe this. I am giving notice to death. Notice to death. And how does that notice come? See, the sick are being healed. The blind are getting the sight. The lepers are being cleansed. The dead are being raised. The deaf are hearing. John the Baptist, are you the king that is going to bring the kingdom back? Just Look, I'm not going to give you a three-point sermon, but look what's happening. The dead, the sick are being healed. I'm giving notice to death. And the king must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet, injustice, poverty, sin, slavery, until the last enemy to destroy, which is the biggest threat of humanity, and all of creation, by the way, is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when I see everything is put under his feet, it's clear that it doesn't mean God himself who put everything under Christ. So it's basically drawing distinction between God and the humanity of Christ. Am I communicating? Yeah? Okay. And when he has done this, the son... son that's, that's, that's pointing to the humanity of Christ, although it's fully God... We're leaning into the humanity of Christ. The Son will be made subject to him him who put everything under him so God may be all in all. Of course, when you read that and you don't understand it like that, you say, well, what does that mean? I thought Jesus is God. How can he be subject to God? No, no. It is the humanity of Christ, human beings being subject to God. It's not removing his divinity in any way. That's what it says in Philippians. He who was equal to God, that's Jesus, did not consider equality to God something to be grasped, but lowered himself and emptied himself and made himself as a servant. So he emptied himself of his all-knowing ability or seeing ability or powerful ability. And he lived life as a human being. And, it's, and he is now offering up on behalf of humanity, humanity back to be subject to God so that God may fill humanity and be all in all. It seems to fill everything. That's all creation. Why? Back to this main point of healing and why healing is important. Because when, when humanity gets fully restored, when we are totally liberated from sin, totally liberated from death, totally liberated from sickness, that's why it says when Jesus returns, there's no more pain, no more dying, no more sickness, no more suffering. When we're totally liberated... Just like all of creation fell when the head of creation fell, the creation will be restored from its bondage, its decay, its corruption, its dysfunctionality. And God, 
through restored humanity that, that causes creation to be restored, will rule through humanity in everything perfectly again. And we're back to Eden and God's original plan. That's why it says in Romans 8, all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, that it may be liberated from its bondage and decay. But then you'll say to me, very quickly, then you'll say to me, but I thought we were revealed. Don't we recognize the sons of God now through faith in Jesus? Yes, we are. But we will be fully revealed when Jesus returns and we get our perfect bodies back and totally free from death, sickness and sin. And in the meantime, just as Jesus is reigning and put his enemies under our feet, in the meantime, we are called to advance the kingdom. And to advance the kingdom means reclaiming everything in creation and human beings are creation You've been created by God. To be liberated, we are called to liberate creation from the dominion of death, sickness, decay, and Satan's rulership. So that's why he says the kingdom of God is hand and the sick are being healed. Preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Because the more bodies get liberated from sickness, it means they're getting liberated from death and Satan's control and God is reclaiming creation back. So that's why healing is not... Okay, I don't mean to be unpastoral and unsympathetic because healing is an act of God's compassion and kindness. We see that in scripture and it is. But in one sense, it's, it's not the primary reason why we actually must pursue healing as the church of Jesus Christ. It's not the primary reason. The reason why we must pursue healing as the church of Jesus Christ is because it is a kingdom declaration that the king is coming to reclaim his creation back. And it starts with human beings. Because if human beings don't get reclaimed, creation won't get reclaimed. And that's why healing and the gospel of the kingdom are actually integrated. And you can't separate them. We have, over the years, because we don't have a theology of the kingdom of God, because our theology has lent to this. The gospel is about forgiving your sins so you can go to heaven. Let me tell you this. That's wonderful. And it's a very important part of the gospel. And you will not be part of the kingdom unless you have given your life to Christ to be forgiven. But let me tell you this. God will never be satisfied with just having souls populating heaven. Why? Because his creation has been robbed and destroyed and corrupted and sabotaged by evil and by Satan through dominating and ruling through mankind. And the way he got that access into creation is through mankind, and it started with sin, sickness, and death. And he will never be satisfied with just having souls in heaven for all eternity, and all of creation can just go to rot. Do you think God is a God in heaven who is going to let the enemy sabotage and steal and rule and destroy all of his creation that he's made? No. That's why the kingdom of God has come for all creation. And so it says, going into Revelation, and I'm going to finish now and you'll be very pleased about it. 
book of Revelation, at the end, John looks up into heaven and he says, Behold, I see the new Jerusalem. It means the, it means the throne of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. I see the new Jerusalem in heaven coming down from heaven to earth. Uh-oh. I see heaven coming down into earth. No longer will there be a separation. The new Jerusalem is coming from heaven to earth. And behold, the dwelling, which, is, which normally we speak of heaven, the dwelling of God will be with men. Where? On earth. And this is why Jesus prayed. Pray this and do it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth. Now we push that to future tense. Think, oh, one day Jesus can return. It's going to happen. It's not future tense. It's present. Everything in that Lord's prayer is present. I'll tell you why. And I am going to finish. Honestly, I, do, I am going to finish. But it's so important. Give us our, forgive us our, your kingdom come, your will be done. Presence or future. We tend to push it into, into future because we have a salvation theology. The soul's in heaven and Jesus will come one day. But let's look at the context. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Present or future. Yeah, because you don't need daily bread in heaven. <laughs> Forgive us our sins. Present or future. Yes. You don't need forgiveness of sins when you're at the other side of heaven, do you? Deliver us from evil. No, actually, um, deliver us from temptation, present or future. You don't need to be delivered from temptation in heaven. There is none. Deliver us from evil. Present. You see, everything in the Lord's Prayer is actually bringing in the kingdom of God now. So why on earth would we push your kingdom come, your will be done to the future? No, the kingdom of God, restoring humanity from sin and death, so all creation will follow, is what we're called to do now. So your kingdom come, so it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Pray your kingdom come on earth, your will be done now. And this is why, as a church, we are committed to pursuing healing. And this is why I want to say to you, honestly, I said I want you to get on board with it. I want you to help us together develop a culture of it. I want you to cast off your reserve about healing. I want you to stop discounting yourself from being healed. I want you to stop your reluctance from praying for people to be healed. We are learning. We're infants in it. Many will be healed and some won't. Some will be healed and sometimes many won't. But that's got nothing to do with what God has called us to do. God has called us to be like the disciples where we go into the world and preach the kingdom and heal the sick. And we must learn how to do it ever increasingly so. We need more of the kingdom. And if we want more of the kingdom, we'll see more healings. And that's just because that's you cannot separate the both. And so this is what we're called to do, people. And I want to encourage you and invite you to become kingdom people in all its full expressions as seen and modeled in Jesus. 
Can we do that for 2021? 20 and 21. <laughs> Can we do that? Because I tell you what, if we commit ourselves to this as a church in unity and spirit, we will see whew, the kingdom of God increasing. No reserve. Work out the theology. Let's deal with our disappointment pain. We've all got it. And our hesitation. Let's work it through. But let's say we are going to be kingdom first people. Seek first the kingdom. Kingdom first people. Jesus first people. Following Jesus living New Testament lives and go and become proclaimers of the kingdom and demonstrators of the kingdom of God and that will win the world. Amen?